Jesus' name, amen, and thank God. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Amen, amen, amen. I'd like to welcome you out to Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday has been traditionally known as the Holy Week. And I beg to differ with that a little bit, just a little bit. If you love me, just a little bit to differ with that. Because to me, every week is holy. Every day is holy. Every hour, every second, every moment is holy unto the God. He is holy and therefore we must be holy as well. Today in history marks the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. It would be his last entry into Jerusalem before his crucifixion. It begins what is known as the beginning of the end of his earthly ministry. There's some difficult things that Jesus will encounter. And he's going to take the next several days to prepare his, or at least to try to prepare his disciples for what is coming. And last week we looked in the Gospel of John and how Jesus pledged his love for the disciples. How he sat down and had his last meal with them. And he showed them how to serve people. Because if he being the master knows how to serve others, he expects the same from us. But today we're going to look at the life of one of Jesus' closest confidants. And that is Peter. Peter, as Pastor Twyman calls him, pop-up Peter. He's always popping up, spouting off at the mouth. And wouldn't you know it, today would be no different. Peter has this to say. You have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the 26th chapter. Begin at verse number 56, chapter 26, verse 56. And it reads, But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all of the disciples forsook him and fled. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. From this passage of scripture, I'd like to pin for a thought following Jesus afar off, following Jesus afar off, following Jesus afar off is a metaphor for following Christ, but at a distance, 
There are many Christians that have a Peter-like experience. And for whatever reason, we don't seem to want to be inconvenienced. We don't want to upset the apple cart. And there comes time that we even become ashamed to let folk know who we're really following. Usually this is dictated by the environment that you find yourselves in. Peter was perhaps Jesus' favorite disciple, although John was the most loved disciple. Peter had this tenacity about himself. Peter wasn't afraid of anything. He just had that type of personality. Peter was always gung-ho and, and ready to, to, to take matters into his own hands. And more often than not, it got him in more trouble than he really probably wanted in his life. You, you remember in Matthew's Gospel, the 16th chapter, Jesus came to the disciples and said, Who do men say that I am? The disciples began to answer him. Some say that you are Jeremiah, Isaiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said, you've said well, but who do you say that I am? And it was old pop-up Peter that jumped up and declared, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus had commended Peter. For he said that flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. But it's my Father in heaven that revealed this to you. So right there we know that Peter has a connection with God. And so Peter goes from this very tenacious, rambunctious disciple always speaking up to now following Jesus from afar. Does not really want to be associated with Jesus in this period of Jesus' life. Understand, brothers and sisters, that, that, that all of us can follow Christ while the getting is good. All of us can follow him while things are going well. But what happens when things get a little salty? What happens when it comes down to the fact that maybe you might have to sacrifice some things? What happens when you need to commit yourselves to Christ? When it's going to bring some type of hardship in your life? Are you still following Jesus with that closeness? To follow Jesus from afar means to not follow him as close as we ought to be following him. Scripture tells us that we are to follow him close. As a matter of fact, James 4 and 8 says, draw near to God or draw nigh to God and he will draw near to you. But it's us drawing near to him. Stop coming, getting close to him. The psalmist says, the psalmist Psalm 73 and 28, it says, but as for me, listen here, it is good to be near God. And I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. And I will tell 
of all of your deeds. We're to draw near to him. Understand, brothers and sisters, there's a benefit and a blessing in drawing near unto God. You see, because when you draw near to God, it may cost you something on this side. But understand that everything that is happening in your circumstance, in your situation, is preparing you for something in the future. There are some things that God is trying to get out of our lives. There's some, a lack of faith, some doubt that God is trying to deal with in our lives. Because if you had, we had Peter here before us today, and we asked him, what changed in your life? Why is it that you abandoned him? Perhaps the most overwhelming answer would be because of fear and doubt. Peter had become fearful of his life. Even though he had pledged that no matter what happens, Jesus, if you die, I will die with you. He spoke this out of his own mouth. And as a matter of fact, all four Gospels tells this. So Peter, you can't go back on your word. You said you were willing to give your life for the master. But now, when the rubber meets the road, when it gets hard, when you begin between a rock and a hard place, things have changed. Listen here, listen here. This example that Peter gives us is a blessing to us. Because what we see is that no matter how strong you are, or how strong you think you are in the Lord. There's going to still be some moments of weaknesses in your life. There's times that I've let God down, that I did not do what he told me to do. There's times that I shut up when I should have spoken up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's times that I spoke that I should have kept my mouth shut. But I'm learning from this. I'm learning that, that, that I'm not going to always be as strong as I would want to be. And there were some clear indications that there was something wrong with Peter, and not just Peter, but the rest of the disciples. The fact that, that, that when he went away to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asked him just stay awake and pray with him. Three times he went and prayed. And three times he came back and they were fast asleep. Flesh is willing. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that reminds me also to, to keep telling myself that, 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 that don't ever just say what I'm not going to do. Be careful where you stand lest ye fall. I'm careful what I said, I'll, I'll never do that or I'll never do this. Because I've come to find that you end up eating those words. But by the grace of God, I pray to God that I won't do this or I won't do that. God, give me strength and I won't be able to do this or do that. Because it's all in his strength. Look what the Hebrew writer says, Hebrews 10. He said, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart 
and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We're told to draw nigh to God, to be close to him. And brothers and sisters, there's not a circumstance that we face that Christ has not promised to be with us through them. Because he is true to his word. He said that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that includes every circumstance, every situation you find yourself in. And the reason why we can take that to the bank, because God is faithful. He is a faithful and a righteous God. But even though we're, we're, we're talking about Peter and him following Jesus from afar, at least he's still following Jesus. The scripture says that all of the disciples had abandoned him. But Peter had some type of gunction down in him that even though he's following from afar, he's still following the Lord. He's following him that he might be able to find out where this thing is going. Now understand this, understand this, that Jesus had forewarned them. He had told them on numerous occasions. As a matter of fact, in Matthew, the 16th chapter, he told them what was going to happen to him. He said that I'm going to be handed over into the hands of sinful men. They're going to crucify me. They're going to nail me to a cross. And you remember Peter jumped up and said, be it far from thee, Lord. Not as long as I'm around. It won't happen. And Jesus looked him square in the face and said, Satan, get thee behind me. Thou art an offense. And there are times that we need to speak to Satan and say, get thee behind me. Thou art an offense. I'm not going to be worried about this circumstance. I'm not going to be worried about this situation. I'm not going to be worried about these folk that keep coming at me. I'm not going to be worried about this job that's threatening to lay me off. I'm not going to be worried about uh, this sickness that's coming upon me. I'm not worried about it. Because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. But we got to draw close to him. We got to snuggle up next to Jesus. When the storms of life come your way, and they will come. More than just a physical storm. You'll be surprised at the folk that are dealing with emotional storms even to this day. There's some circumstances and situations they can't get over. And if you just get close to Jesus... You just draw close to him. Draw nigh to him. God is well able to give you comfort. Well able to give you peace. But understand that Peter is following him from afar. And brothers and sisters, most times when you're following from afar, you find yourself in places that you should not be. Because the text tells us that Peter found himself warming himself around the enemy's camp. Be, be, be careful when you're warming yourself and around folk that, that, that really are not walking the same way that you're walking. 
Be, be, be careful how you befriend some folk in, in the church and outside of the church. Because understand that everybody that's in the church are not spiritual. There, 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 there's some folk in the church you can't tell your business to. There, there, there's some people in church you can't pull close to you. Be careful who you bring in your circle. Be careful, be careful who you hang out with. The idiom says that birds of the same feather flock together. And the last thing you want to do is be guilty by association. Just, 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 just looking out, looking at Peter's situation. If I didn't know anything about Peter, I would surmise that he is part of the enemy's camp as well. But he's sitting there and he's warming himself. And there's a maid that recognizes Peter. She tells people, she says, that, you're one of them Galileans. You were with Jesus. Here's a prime opportunity for Peter to step up to the plate. And listen here, and do what he said he would do. You, you, you just told me that you'd be willing to die for me. But, but, but now, while they're sharpening the sword, not now while they're preparing the, 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 the spikes that were going our Lord and Savior Jesus' hand, you too afraid they're going to prepare something for you. And so just as Jesus told him, he said, before the cock crows, Jesus tells Peter, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And here's denial number one. He denies even knowing Jesus. And I don't know about Peter, but that would have cut me to the core. But understand that Peter is gripped with fear. His faith is not where it needs to be at. And the truth be told, most of the time, none of our faith is where it really needs to be at. There's time that we should have been, yes, and confess Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he denies even knowing Jesus. Denial number two. Peter takes it a step further. Because another maid comes up and said, I'm sure that you were with Jesus. I'm positive that you was with him. And it said that Peter swore an oath. No, I don't know the man. In other words, Peter doubled down on what he had already done. And understand that, that, that that's how Satan gets to us. He puts us in compromising positions. Put us in places where, 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 where it'll cost us our lives. Or it'll cost us some money. Which to some of us is just as important as our lives. Hello, somebody. So Peter swears that he doesn't even know the Lord. 
Swears that he had never, he never walked with the Lord. He just gave up on God. And denial number three is where Peter just shown up, showed himself. The third accusation came, surely you are a Galilean. Your, your, your speech betray you. And the Bible said that Peter began to curse. Hello, somebody. You ever been there before? <laughs> My mom used to say, boy, you drive me to cussing. They had begun to get on Peter's last nerve. I done told you. I don't know. I don't know this man. And the Bible declares that immediately the cock crowed. It was a ringing in Peter's ear that he could not get rid of. I can imagine that he, he continuously hear, heard the cock. And it was terrifying to him. To, it moved him to bitter crying. Because Peter knew what he had done. And understand that the devil was the same way. He, 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 he wants to get us in these positions. And he pushes us so far to where we have to cry out before the Lord. We have to go to God down on bending knees and cry out before the Lord. Every last one of us, if you are a true disciple, will find yourselves in positions like this. Every last one of us will deal with circumstances and situations that will cause us, yes, to sometimes cuss. But God is able. Look at here, look at here, look at here. I have heard people ask the question, what was the difference between what Judas did and what Peter did? At one level or another, they both were denials. They both betrayed Jesus' trust. Judas, on the other hand, was one that he had his own purpose in mind. Judas's heart was never right. And even though the Bible describes Jesus as numbered as among the 12, he was always the son of perdition. It had been prophesied through scripture that he would betray Jesus. This same man that put his big feet up under Jesus' table and ate his food would go and betray him. It is Judas that has said that Satan had entered him. And he went and betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He gave them over, Jesus over to them. And so now, after the guilt had fell upon Judas, he returned the money, but he went and he hanged himself. 
He hanged himself without repentance. As a matter of fact, the scripture said that it was better for him to not even be born. Because once he's born, he's going to live forever in hell. Conversely, with Peter, Peter had a moment of weakness. Peter, Peter is like us. We have our moments of weakness. But it is evident in how Peter responded to these moments of weakness as opposed to how Judas responded. You see, because Peter's led to repentance. It went to him asking God to forgive him for what he did. And as we know through history and the Bible, God forgave him. Listen here, brothers and sisters, I don't care how bad the sin that you've committed is. I don't, I don't, I don't care whether you're a murderer, a molester. I don't care if you, 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 you're someone who has, who has done all kinds of atrocities. I don't care if you're Hitler. There's still room at the cross for you. There's still salvation available to you. But it all starts with repentance. You see, because what, 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 what repentance does, repentance is not just feeling sorry. Repentance is having a change of heart. That, that's what it really boils down to. It is agreeing with God and saying, God, yes, this is wrong. You see, repentance is not us covering it up. And not calling it what it is. It is sin. And it needs to be dealt with. The sense of us still you know, struggling with sin when Christ has already paid the price for sin. When he's already given us his Holy Spirit to be able to keep us from sin. But all of us going to have those moments. We, we, we still going to have those moments. To the day I die, I'm going to have those moments. But I'm thankful to God that there's forgiveness for those moments. I'm thankful for that. I'm glad that God didn't let me die in my trespasses and sin, but he quickened me by his spirit. I'm excited about that. I'm glad about it. Because if he hadn't saved me from my sin, then my soul would still be lost. So, so, so I've determined that I'm going to follow Jesus closely. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and move when he says move. I'm, I'm going to try and be still when he says be still. I'm, I'm going to pray when he says pray. I'm extend forgiveness when he says to extend forgiveness. I'm a love like he loves. You see, that, that, that's, what, that's what following Jesus really is about. It's about mimicking his life. It's about being conformed into the image of him. That's when you know you're really following him. When folk lie on you, 
you return good for evil. When they scandalize you and talk behind your back, you speak well of them. You bless them. It is not us acting in the flesh all the time. The majority of your time as believers should be walking in the spirit. But you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So us being in a place where we honor God in our lives. Our lives are a blessing to God. God is pleased with our lives when we are walking in faith. That's what he desires. And so Peter had a moment. And he would go on to have several moments like this. Jesus spoke these words about John the Baptist. He said that there's not a man born of a woman that is greater than John the Baptist. But John the Baptist had a moment of doubt and weakness. For he sent his disciples to Jesus. Jesus said, are thou the one? Or should we look for another? All of us have those moments of weakness. But we're not to just rest in those moments. When you've blown it, when you've dropped the ball, just keep falling down on bending knees and asking God, forgive me, Lord. I, I didn't mean to offend you, God. I didn't mean to sin against you, God. But forgive me, God. And the Bible said that he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God is able. As a matter of fact, he's eagerly waiting on you. And some of you just need to release it right now today. So, so, so some of us need to just turn back to God right where you are. You ain't got to come down this aisle. You can get right with God today. You have not been walking with this close, intimate relationship with the Lord. You see, because I come, I, I find out is that, that, that what irks God irks me now. But what, what God is not pleased with, I'm not pleased with it either. And the longer I live in this world, the more I realize that this world is not my home. God is coming back for He's going to prepare a place for me. That where he is, I will be also with him. And I'm just waiting on that day. My, my, my prayer is, come, Lord Jesus, come. But I understand and realize that there are some folk that still need to come in to the kingdom of God. So that causes me to pray for those folk. Come on in. Hurry up and come on in. Amen. Because mankind in this world is waxing worse and worse. It's not getting any better. And it's not going to get any better. You can pass all the laws you want to. It's not going to get any better. You can give everybody in this room guns and it's still not going to get any better. Murder will continue. Why? Because we're sinful people. And the United States of America 
is going to have to pay for the sinfulness of this nation. Because if there's one nation that has been blessed above all nations, it's been right here in the United States of America. God has given us so much that we do not deserve. But yet we walk on his blood. And the church is no different because we keep crucifying him afresh. Every time you sin as a believer, you crucify Christ all over again. And God's going to deal with us. But thank God for Jesus. You see, because when I stand before him, when I stand before the Lord, he's going to see me through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on up a little higher. It's not about what I've done. It's certainly by, not by who I am. Because I realize that I'm nothing without God. I'm nothing without Jesus Christ. I'm just a mere man. But I thank God that I am a redeemed man. That God has redeemed me. That he saved me. That he cleaned me up. And he can do the same for you. Don't you dare leave here without Christ. Don't you dare leave here without acknowledging Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Because there's an awesome price that was paid for you. Over 2,000 years ago. On a hill called Calvary. Anybody know anything about Calvary? Calvary was a place that was prepared for Jesus' crucifixion. It was a place where they would nail him in his hands. They would nail him in his feet as payment for your sin and my sins. Not only did they nail him to that cross, but all of our sins were poured out on Jesus on Calvary's cross. Every sin that you committed and will commit was poured out on Jesus. He died. And if you think, if you think, if you think Jesus had a problem with his disciples forsaking him, it paled in comparison to the fact that when our sin was poured on Jesus, that his father forsook him. For we heard him say, why hast thou forsaken me? He forsook him for us. He paid the sin debt for us. He died on Calvary's cross, was buried in a tomb, but on the third day rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. And because of that, I am redeemed by the Spirit of God. I've been bought with a price. My sin debt has been paid. He washed me thoroughly from the inside out. And I'll declare his praises for the rest of my life because he did what I could not do. Yes, he did. And he's still interceding on my behalf. Yeah, yeah, every time I have those moments of weakness, every time I, I, I sin before him, he, he, he's telling Father, but I died for that sin. My blood was shed for that sin, Father. We've been redeemed, we've been forgiven. 
But again, he's coming back again, Brother Chestnut. He's coming back. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle that have accepted Christ by faith. He's coming back, and I'm looking for him. I'm looking for him that we might be all coming together under his millennial kingdom, and we'll rule with him. Why? Because if you suffer with him, you shall rule with him. We got to call, be called to suffer. So are you following Jesus from afar? Or do you have that close personal relationship with him? That's a question you need to ask yourself. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Is there one? This is perhaps one of the most important decisions that you'll ever make. If you have not been saved, and what I mean by that is you have not received the price that was paid for you on Calvary's cross.